All right, so Romans chapter 4, and um, I, I could say it, this is one of my favorite sections of Scripture, which is just about every section of Scripture, but um, this really is one of those passages that, uh, that is got, has so much material, and uh, I'm doing my best not to just spend all my time on three verses, but Hopefully, hopefully, we'll get past the first page. But uh, because Romans 4 is Paul's really entrance into his explanation of the issue of faith and grace. And he's going to help us understand through illustration and through biblical principle that it's not... Uh, law and works, but it's grace and faith. And so if you want to have a little column, it, it grace or the law, works or faith. Works is you doing something that the law demanded in order to get righteousness. Grace is God giving us righteousness so that we can do the things that he has asked us to do, all right, and to live to his glory. The the principle of grace is it's received by faith. And again, I like to use the illustration, you like it, you're not, but it's mine, and I'm the teacher, so I get to use it, Um, that it's like two sides of a coin. The God side is grace, and man's side is faith. So whatever God gives by grace, we receive by faith. No other way. If it's by grace, it's by faith. If it's law, then it's works. And the law makes demands, and you have to do them to get. Grace God gives us, and by faith we receive. That's the way it works. And so um, we could just... Shut our Bibles, there it is, that's the lesson for tonight. But, um, but this is what Paul is going to enter into here in Romans chapter 4. And he uses David a little bit, and we'll talk about that. And he uses David in the opening part um, because David lived under the law. And then he's going to talk about Abraham who lived before the law. And so what we're going to find is it's the same principle. The same principle that was in action before the law, Abraham. During the law, David. And after the law, us. And so it's the same principle. And what is it? Faith. Faith. Faith was there, and it was uh, the principle that was uh, in operation from the beginning. And so this is how God wanted us to live. And so that we could fulfill um, all that he was asking of us and to live in the way that he has put demand in our life. So the law was all on the outside. By grace, through faith, God has put the law on the inside. And his demands are answered 
within. And so doesn't mean we can live carelessly, we live immorally. No, that's not what grace is all about. Grace gives us the power to live to his glory. So that's where we're headed as we go through this passage. The other thing I wanted to um, help to see about this, this fourth chapter of Romans is, yes, this principle of faith and grace works concerning our salvation, our, our righteousness, our justification. But Paul uses it also to talk about Abraham receiving a natural thing, something in this world. And so the same principle that works for us to obtain our justification, our righteousness, our salvation, that same principle will work for us to obtain healing or deliverance or peace, or possession. And those same principles work, grace and faith. So, we'll uh, go here at Romans chapter 4. Uh, I want to read this first uh, 16 verses, uh, because that's what we're going to be looking at, hopefully, i get that far. But, um, how many think I will? I got one or two people who think I'll get that far. All right. Okay. So, Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. David said, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Now, we'll talk about that, but that can't be under the law because... Under the law, God did count your sin, but we'll move on. Verse 9, is this blessing then only for the circumcised, that is the Jews, or also for the Gentile, uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are 
not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. A lot of circumcision in that passage. He could just turn it from circumcised Jew, uncircumcised Gentile. But there's a, there's a principle with the circumcision that has to be enumerated. So we'll talk about that. Verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world did not come that his offspring would be the heir of the world, that did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null, and the promise is empty. Verse 15, for the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. All right, that's as far as I planned on getting, as far as I made notes for you, but we'll see what we can do with this. So let's go back to verse 1, and he starts off with a number of these great statements, and don't ignore the, the little words that are often at the beginning, what then, therefore, uh, different things that, that he puts in here, um, that is why, and so, you know, Paul is helping us to come to some conclusions, so don't miss, it's like the plus and minus signs in, in your math. The numbers are important, but so are the signs that are in there. And these signs help us to see how things apply. So when you're going back and, and um, analyzing this section, you can see it in that way. Okay, Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our earthly forefather, has gained? What shall we say concerning Father Abraham, who has gained? Gained what? And what then? What then follows chapter 3, which was about legalism and the Jews, that they felt that they had a right to these things because they were Jewish. That the right was theirs because they were of the right line, and they were therefore, in some ways, superior to everyone else. And it was concerning the, uh, the attitude that they had about themselves, which was an attitude of superiority. It was an attitude of exclusivism, that we are the ones. Now, if you want to have the blessings that we live under, then you have to become a Jew also. And then you also... Once you become a Jew, then you have to commit yourself to the law, which that's what circumcision was about. It was your pledge that you were going to do everything that the law demanded. And the circumcision was your seal that said, I did it. I made the pledge. And then what? And then you broke it. 
Because no one can live by the law. And so there is this whole principle that goes. And even with circumcision, there's bleeding. And if there's bleeding, then you're unclean. So you did what God told you to do, but now you're unclean for a period of time until the blood doesn't appear. And if there's a little bit of, of, of fluid, you know, just that bodily fluid, you know, that leaks out serum under the scarab, whatever, you're unclean till that goes away. You say, well, this was a baby. Yeah, but a lot of the people coming to... Um, to Christianity and those sometimes coming to Judaism were adults. And so they had to go through the circumcision. And, and here you are doing what God told you to do, but it made you unclean. So all of these things uh, follow through. The law was impossible. It was impossible to live by. Not that the law is bad. The law is perfect. Just that you ain't. Pardon, you know, the slur, but you're you're not. So this was the this was the issue. So when he starts off, what then shall we say that Abraham, concerning these things we've been talking about, is it better to be a Jew? Do they have any benefits? Do they have to live outside the law? You know, and and they'd gone into the place, and Paul brings this out that, well, actually. When we sin, it actually makes God look better because our sin, he forgives it, and that makes God look good. So the more we sin, the better God looks. You think, they didn't believe that. Just you know, go back up and read a few verses just above where we're at. Yes, they did. Or Paul wouldn't be using that as an argument. So these are, these are attitudes that are there, and um, we can't stop sitting, so therefore the more we do, the better God looks. Um, in a, don't try that on your parents. It's, it, just, it just won't go very far. So concerning this issue of righteousness by your adherence to the law, which you cannot gain, He's clearly said, no one follows. All have sinned, therefore. You know, everyone is um, guilty before God. So what are you going to say about Abraham? I know, I've said that three or four times. Because that's his question. And Abraham leads us into this whole study of grace and faith, works, or law and works. So what are you going to say about Abraham? Why? Because they all knew the stories of Abraham. Now, most people, when Paul's writing this letter, most people did not have a Bible. Their synagogue may have had several scrolls of the Bible. Uh, some didn't even have complete sets of the scrolls of the Bible. Uh, but the synagogues they came from, they knew some of the stories, and of course, they knew the stories of Abraham. Most of the time, the rabbis of that day didn't read from the, from the scrolls. They just told the story. And then they offered interpretations of various rabbis. They quoted their favorite rabbi um, and 
defending or explaining what the story was about. That's what stunned them with Jesus. He came, and he spoke with authority. It's like, ooh, our teachers don't speak with authority. They don't, you know, they get up and they quote somebody else. He just speaks right from the scriptures. And, wow, that's different. So most of the people had heard the stories, um, even Gentiles coming to. The stories of Abraham were famous. And so most of the people had used heard those. And they serve for a tremendous amount of practical use in preaching. Um, you can preach a lot of things just out of Abraham. And yeah, you can go a little further with Isaac and Jacob, but if you just stayed with Abraham, you could preach a lot of doctrine because it's in there. And so it can be used for a lot of illustration and a lot of principles. So Abraham was familiar. So what are we going to say about Abraham, our earthly father, has gained? Now let's look at this word gained. So what does he mean by gained? What did Abraham gain? If I say, what did you gain? Then your attitude is, I did something and got it. Right? I gained it. So... Uh, to gain a first place, you have to run the hardest, run the fastest, right? To gain a victory, uh, to gain sometimes uh, the winning or whatever, you have to participate, you have to labor, it's all about you. But that's not what this Greek word is. Because this Greek word, first of all, is... Uh, an active verb, it means what has he gained, but the word means found. What has he found without seeking? Now, it's one thing if you're seeking for a treasure, but when you're walking through the field and you trip over a couple bars of bullion, gold bullion, not chicken bullion, <laughs> And you trip over a couple bars of gold. Wow, I wasn't wasn't looking for that. But there it is. And that's what this Greek word means. So when we use the word gained, it, it sounds like his effort is involved. And yes, it's an active verb, which means he did it. But he found it without seeking for it. So first of all, he had to be doing something in order to find it. What was Abraham doing? We go back and read the story. I'm not going to go all the way back there, but what was Abraham doing? He was worshiping moon gods in Ur of the Chaldees and found God. Not he was looking for him, but he found him, and God spoke to him. No, I don't know how that happened. We got people today that says God doesn't speak to us. God spoke to Abraham. (laughs) Why can't he speak to me? So God called him out of of the counties. He left, kind of. Made his efforts to leave, but he didn't go all the way. 
And then God finally corrected that and got him all the way down. But then God came to him. So let's go back to, to Genesis chapter 12 because you got to see, you've got to see, not you got to, you've got to see that Abraham didn't do anything about this. This was to find without seeking. Gained. And I don't really know. I've looked at numbers of different translations, and, and there really isn't one that, that says everything that this word can mean. What did Abraham find without seeking for it? That would be awkward to put that in the verse, but that's exactly what happened. What has he gained? Chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, and your kindred, and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. Now the book of Hebrews tells us that this was one of Abraham's great steps of faith. That he left, by faith, Abraham left. By faith, he left. But in leaving, this passage says he found. <laughs> he left and found something. But he didn't even know where he was going. And so in Hebrews it says, By faith Abraham left not knowing where he was going. Now, how many know that when you had parents who were in authority over you, you still have parents, but most of you don't live in their home now. But uh, if you said, yeah, I'm going out, Mom, where are you going? I don't know. Um, what do you mean you don't know? You're going somewhere. Yeah, I don't know where we're going. We're just going yeah, no, you're staying here. You know, so because, you know, to leave and not know where you're going. Okay, Mom, I'm moving out of the house. Where are you going? I don't know. <laughs> well, do you have a house? No. You got a place to live? No. But I'm going. Most parents would say, no, you're not. No, that's not going to happen. And most of you as parents would not let your children do that. So there's, there's a step of faith here that Abraham's making. And it's great. So he leaves. And here, verse 2, And the Lord says, Leave to the land that I will show you. How are you going to show me? Well, as you're walking... When you get there, I'll say, this is it. Wow. But how do I know where to walk? Well, just walk. <laughs> and so he, he was going. And here's what's going to happen. I will make you. Now, I want you to notice all of the I wills that are in these next several verses. I will. Not you will. 
I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4. Just the first three words. So Abraham left. He went. Wow, what a, what a statement of faith. But that's not our section. Although, like I said, Paul's using stories from Abraham like most of these people seem to be familiar with and know. And there's, I mean, just in those three verses plus three words, how much could you preach out of that? There's a lot of stuff that you could touch. And I'll read, I just read three verses. And there's many more chapters. So what's, what was happening? This having found, having gained, it, it, a better way of saying it is putting that helping verb in front of it. They say has gained, but it better be translated having gained. It's a perfect tense verb, and you say, why does that matter, and whatever. Um, a perfect tense verb means... It, it means that you have come to something, it's happened, and the results of what happened continue. All right? Something happened. Either you did it or received it. And so something happened, and the results of that, not the action of it, but the results of it continue. I could say, and use a Greek verb tense, what we call past, but it's more com complex than that. I could say I was born March 11th, 1950. And I could use a Greek verb form that says it's over and it's done. I was born on that day. And I would be pointing to the day that I was born. And it's complete because, obviously, I'm here. Right? So I was born. But if I use this tense... I would be saying, not only was I born, but I continue to be alive, right? So this, not only it started, something happened, it wasn't, then it was, and the results of that continue. I'm not continuing to be born, it's just that the results of being born have continued to now. And perfect tense also seems to indicate, because it's like an arrow that's going forward, that it's going to continue. That tomorrow, and the day after, and the year after, and the year after, right? So join with me in that. Year after, a number of years yet to come, right? So that there is, there is continued results of that. So what, what is he saying here? Abraham found something, and once found, once found, the results of that continue. What did he find? A promise from God. He wasn't looking for a promise from God. He tripped over it in the field. He found the promise of God. Abraham wasn't looking for this. He wasn't searching for it. He wasn't searching for a name. He wasn't searching to be great. He wasn't searching to have uh, nations. 
born from his loins? He wasn't looking for that. He found it. And having found it, the results of that promise continued, continued, continued. Because once that promise was enacted in his life, the results of it continue. Had Abraham rejected it, and I, I assume he could have, all of Scripture, there'd be a lot of change in Scripture had he done it, but he could have, then nothing would have taken place. But he didn't. He accepted it. Now, verse 2. Based on he wasn't looking for it, he didn't do anything to get it, it was just, it, it happened. Based on that, for if he was held to be righteous, it's a first condition, if, which better be translated since, since he was held to be righteous, because he was, on the ground of his actions, he has something to boast of, but not in the presence of God. If Abraham had done something to get these promises, then he could boast about it. Look at what I did. Look at what I completed if he had something was held to be righteous and he was held to be righteous but he wasn't held to be righteous on the ground of his own actions because he didn't do anything he found without seeking and so this promise came to him god showed up and made a promise and abraham had one thing to do And what was that? Believe it. Just believe it. Believe the promise. That's all he had to do. Now, you say, yeah, but God told him to go from here or go to there. But it was all about the promise. Because the going wasn't where he was blessed. It was in the promise that God blessed him. I will make you a great nation. I will do these things. I will make you the father of a multitude. Now, at this point, Abraham had no children. So if God said, I'm going to make you the father of a multitude, well, there's a problem here. Because I can't have a whole number of children descended from me if I don't have one to start with. i gotta have, I got to have one to begin But that picks up our story starting later in this chapter, around verse 17 and 18, which we'll get to in another lesson. So, but if he had something, if if Abraham had done something to get this promise, he could say, look what I did. Look at me. Look at everything that I accomplished. I made all this. I was so incredible in my life that God came down and made me some promises. Yeah, it's all about me. And if that's the way it happened today, it probably would be on Facebook, you know, or whatever, and they would be proclaiming, you know, look at look at everything I did. My social media would be filled up. I'd be an influencer. Wow. Abraham was an influencer. And he did nothing. Well, some of them do nothing. Okay, I'm lost in there. All right. 
But he didn't have his own actions. See, if you do something to get something, you can boast about what you did. And there's nothing wrong with that. I know it's, I've used this illustration before, and it's stunning to people that at the time when I was in high school, I was the 400 meter, which in my day was 440 yard, I was the star. I was, <laughs> I held all the records, and my records still stand because, you know why? Because they don't run a 440 yard dash anymore. <laughs> About four years after I graduated, they moved to 400 meters. I'm the champion. So, and my record still stands, and I, you know, I was good enough to make the state, state track meet, came in fifth place. Um, I had a record time uh, even then, um, 48.3 seconds for quarter mile. I could, I could maybe make... 15 yards? Isn't that yet? No. Um, no, it would, uh, it would be sad today. But at that time, but when I got my ribbons and my placing, I could boast. Look at what I did. I worked hard. I struggled. I, I wrestled. I, I did all these kind of things with my mind, with my personal you know, life, so that I could be this. You know, great athletes do that. Great soldiers do that. If you, if you got a, a medal for doing something great, you worked for that. If you get a raise at your work, you worked for that. If you built something, you worked for that. I'm not a carpenter. I tried to build a birdhouse once I was about 12, 14 years old. The spiders wouldn't even live in it. <laughs> Well, let alone the birds, but it was, uh, it was pitiful. I am not a carpenter. But you could boast if you could do it. But what if you didn't have any part in it? And that's what he says next. If he was held to be righteous, I, I don't know why. Most translations put this potential thing in there, and there's no potential in it if he was held to be, as if he wasn't really. Well, he was really. And I don't know why the held to be thing is in there, um, because I, I guess they just had to throw it in. Verse 3, for what does the scripture say? Abraham worked hard, and God made him a promise. Abraham worked hard, and God said, you know what? You're so good at that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you righteous. I'm going to justify you. No, Abraham did what? He believed. He believed what God said. That's what he did. God said, I will make you. I will, I will, I will, I will. And Abraham said, all right, I believe. Do it. And God did it. Now, over time, but the promise... The promise came here in 12.3. He believed and God counted it as righteousness. And so this is the first account of Abraham believing and God then blessing him. And so uh, this begins his, his principle. For what does the scripture say? 
Abraham believed God. And this was placed to his credit as righteousness. Now, that statement is finally made. Go back to Genesis chapter 15. That statement is finally made in chapter 15, but he's been believing God all along. So it's not that this is the first time that he believed God. Genesis 15 is when God comes and makes the covenant. And I'm not going to go through this whole story. I just want you to see verse 6. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. Well, I have to read verse 5. And he brought him outside. So Abraham was in his tent. He brought him outside. And he said, look toward the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. You can't. Because about the time you get to 100,315, uh, okay, where was I? <laughs> I got to start all over. So you can't number them. And then God said to him, so shall your offspring be. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Got a problem? What's your problem? I don't have one. How can I have so many that I can't number them if I don't have one? But, what's it say in verse 6? And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed. Now, this is the first time that statement is made, but you could go back all the way to chapter 12. He's been believing. God made a promise, and he's been believing and believing. And so here, it actually makes that statement. He believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. At this time, Abraham is about 85 years old. All right, so uh, he's been following the Lord, and now this is about 85 years down the line. Verse 3 continues. He believed Now, here's an important principle. He believed God. It's not he believed in God. He believed God. And believed in God. Yeah, I believe in God. But do you believe him? Well, I believe in God. But do you believe him? And there is a major difference. Because there's a lot of people that believe in God. In fact, there's demons that believe in God. There's pagans that believe in God. There's people that say, yeah, I the, the, the big man in the sky. Yeah, you know, the old guy that sits up there. Uh, the guy on the throne. You know, the God that sits above all these things. Uh, our higher power. And I'm not trying to undermine something. But... You can call it what it you want, but a lot of people believe in him. There's a whole line of, of doctrine called deism. And deism simply says, yeah, we believe there's God. We don't believe he acts in people's lives. And so there's no personal salvation, but there is God. No, Abraham believed God. He believed what God said. He believed what God promised. Did he question yes i know we're going to read a verse coming up it says abraham staggered not at the promise of god well read the book he did 
So we're going to have to reinterpret what that passage is talking about. Because if you say, well, Abraham never questioned God. I can read it. He laughed at him. God said, you laughed. He said, no, no, I didn't. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Sick, yeah, I, I heard it. <laughs> I got better ears than you. He believed God, and it was counted. The word counted, the Greek word logitsumai, uh, comes from the same root as logos. Uh, it has to do with writing, something written down. So logos, the word, something that's written. Logitsumai means to make an account, to write it so as to count, to mark to someone's credit. So when you write it down, it's marked to their credit. They paid this, they paid this, they paid this. Right? So you're marking it down. It was marked to his credit. And Abraham didn't work to be made righteous. He didn't follow the law. Anybody know why he didn't follow the law? It wasn't written yet. All right, so you guys are all sharp. Okay, so there was no law, so he couldn't follow the law, but he did what? Believed God, and when he believed God, God wrote it down. Righteousness. But this word in its root also, I did some further study on this word into the, into the Greek language. The basis of the word means to put together in, one person, in a person's mind. So the reason it's written down is so that a person's mind can be influenced by it. So when your payments are written down, written down, written down, written down, the person that looks at it, their mind can be influenced by what's written down. And Abraham believed God, and it was written down. And whose mind was influenced? God's. God's mind is influenced. You say, God's mind isn't influenced by us. Yes, it is, all through the Scripture. We can find God watching people, testing people, and when they do something, then God's influence. There's a Greek word, hegeomai, which means to lead the mind. And when we do certain things, God sees it, and it leads his mind about what he's going to do for us. Right? So, um, yeah, Abraham believed God, and it led God's mind. It influenced God's mind and he said, righteousness. That's what I was looking for. Somebody who will believe. Not just somebody who will work, but somebody who will believe. And he was counted. God looked at it and wrote it down as righteousness. And God said, that's it. Abraham has been now de declared and here's another important point. God didn't make him righteous. He declared him righteous. So also with us. God doesn't make you righteous. He declares you righteous. It is a word that comes from God. You say, well, that's not as strong. Uh, let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. And God did what? He spoke. <laughs> if God declared you righteous, then you're what? righteous because God said so <laughs> he made that declaration glory to God that's yeah that's that's it it's not that 
All right, Jeff, I'm going to test you. We'll see if you can make the righteousness scale. You know, it's like that the, the, the county fair, whatever. You get the sledgehammer and you hit the thing and see if it'll ring the bell. You know, it's like, you're almost there. You almost made it. Or any of you that have, you know, with our age of most of the people in the room, I got to see, you know, some of my younger, you know, participants. But... Um, We've had surgery, and they give you that little tube thing to blow in. How many have had that thing? Oh, yeah. All right, you've got to get the little ball to the top of the thing. How many of you hate that? I hate it, right? You hate it. But you better do it because the nurse is watching you. <laughs> Did you do your thing? Yeah. Let me see you. Well, you know, I can't right now. <laughs> I dropped it on the floor, and it's dirty. Yeah, I'll get you a clean one. So, you know, we hate that, but that's not how Abraham made righteousness. God did what? Said it. God said it. He declared it, and he was righteous. Now, a number of different statements that I've covered down here. You can find these in Galatians chapter 3 backs up all the things that Genesis says. So what's in Genesis chapters 12 through like 19, 22 uh, on? All the things that are written in there, a lot of them are backed up by Galatians chapter 3. Because there's a lot in Galatians chapter 3. And so in Galatians 3 verses 8 and 9 verses 13 and 14 and verse 16 here's some of the things that it says that all the nations would be blessed through the promised seed god said i'm going to bless you and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you then god came down and refined that what that's going to do is it's going to come through your heir well when God just generally said all the nations will be blessed through you, in other words, there's going to be a, a generation, a multitude that's going to come from you, well, then there has to be one. Well, God later on came along and said there's going to be one. Later on, God said and it's going to come from Sarah. Yeah, but, you know, the Hagia thing is looking pretty good. Uh, even God, even Abraham even tried to push it off on his servant. That's, what about him? What, what if I make him my heir? No, you're not going to make him. It's coming through Sarah. You know, but Sarah's like 90, 90 years old. You know, really? You know? So, yeah, and Sarah laughed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> not through this body. You're not, no. So, but Galatians says... Nope, it's going to come through the promised seed. Galatians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Verse 13 and 14, that the blessing of the seed would come to the nations by faith. That this would be a matter that would come by faith. That the nations would be blessed by the faith of Abraham. And it was his faith. It wasn't just the fact that he had a child. It was the fact that he had faith before he had a child. And so therefore, the nations are going to be coming through Abraham by faith. He also said that the seed, 
and this is in verse 16, that the seed, not seeds, was the promised Messiah, the Christ, the Redeemer. If you read it carefully, that's what you'll see. That seed, and the seed was not a reference to Isaac. It was a reference to the Christ, the Messiah. He didn't say seeds as if there was going to be a whole, all your children. No, it's one seed that's going to come. Yes, it's going to start with Isaac, the first seed, and then it's going to come through that family line, ultimately down to one who will be born, whose name will be called Jesus. And that seed will be the Messiah. And through that Messiah, then I will bless all the nations of the world. Now, the Jewish people reading that said, uh, no, it's not all the nations, it's, <laughs> it's us. <laughs> yeah, it's us. We are the descendants of Abraham. Yep, we're the ones. And so, it's us. And they did nothing to gain it. They just believed it. Then it goes on to the promise included the gospel. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 8, which is something we'll get to next week, I guess. Uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse 8, that there was more in this promise than what we sometimes think. Because the promise wasn't just, you're going to have a seed. There were things in there that Abraham believed as God continued over a period of time. Speaking to him, revealing his heart to him, revealing the purposes, the plans that God had for Abraham. There are things that God shared with Abraham that are stunning to us. Look at chapter 4, verse 8. I'm getting a lot more less done <laughs> than what I thought. Verse 8. Within, within this promise that God was going to give, that this promised seed... Now, Abraham jumps in the, in the space in between verse 3 and 4, where we are now, down to verse 8. He jumps to David, but he's talking about the same principle. He's talking about this promise and the seed. And finally, it says uh, in verse 8, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin... What God was saying is that there somewhere within this seed is going to be the one who will take away your sin. That this seed was not just going to be generations of people, but this seed was going to take away man's sin against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Someone is removing the sin and that the sin is not being marked down. Who's, who's paying my debt? If, if there's nothing on this side of the ledger of my sin, then who's paying it? Because I'm sure enough spending it, but there's nothing over here against whom the Lord will not. When the Lord looked at, at the record of Abraham, no sin. What's more surprising is that this verse is about David. David wrote it about himself. David, against the, against the man whom the Lord does not count his sin. 
There's no reckoning. It's the same word for impute. It's the same word for count, reckon, write down. It's not written there. God looks at the record. There's nothing there. Yeah, but God, I uh, stop looking at it. Because I see what? God says, I see nothing. Yeah, but I remember. Stop remembering. Look at the way I look at it. There is what? Nothing. God says there's nothing. Your past, there is nothing. The record has been removed. It's gone. And there's a startling verse in Colossians chapter 2 that says not even, not just the, the record of your sin has been removed, that the law which pointed out your sin has been removed. You can't even find the law. You can't, don't try that with the policeman. <laughs> but you can't even find the law. So this, the message of the gospel, remember we talked about the gospel all the way back at the beginning, but we talked about the gospel, and what was the gospel? Part of the gospel is about the one who's going to come to remove your sin. Well, somebody has to pay, and the one who's going to pay is coming from the line of Abraham. Yeah. The gospel is going to come through you. And again, you can read this in other places, but especially it stands out in Genesis chapter 22, though I'm not going to go there. But Genesis chapter 22 is a story of Abraham taking Isaac up on Mount Moriah. And as he put him on the altar and he was ready to take his life, he was ready to sacrifice him. What happened? He saw what? He saw a ram. And that's the sacrifice he needed. Now I know there's a lot of ways in which Isaac is a type of Christ. But in that instance, Isaac is a type of us. Isaac didn't die. The ram died. Somebody paid the sin. Isaac was not to be offered and so you could say he escaped. No, he was redeemed. And so this glorious picture, that's the gospel. And it was preached through Abraham's life. And you can read those other passages in Galatians. What else was preached through Abraham? Redemption. Not just the promise of the gospel that someone would bear away our sin, but the very act of redemption is preached through him. Look at Galatians chapter 3. This is where I want us to look. Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to try to end in time here. Galatians chapter 3. Look at verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse not curses, curse of the law. We'll talk more about that as we go. The curse of the law becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of who? Abraham, Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. 
Abraham didn't fully understand what God was speaking to him, but God spoke to him that this seed is going to bear away the sins of people. How do we know that? Because it's identified here. And then look also at John chapter 8, 56. It's written there in your notes. Jesus made the statement, Abraham saw my day. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced in it. What day? What day? Not the day that Jesus was born, not the day that Jesus is saying this. The day that Jesus would do what? Die and raise from the dead. You say, well, that was three days. Yeah, but it's the day. The day of our redemption. And it starts with the cross and it comes, ends with the resurrection. The day of our redemption. And so Abraham saw my day and rejoiced in it. He saw it. How did he see it? Well, probably the Isaac ram thing. But there were other instances. There was the, the smoking pot and the, and the torch that went through the, the sacrifices, the cutting of the covenant, the promises that God made. Abraham, in the things that God showed him, Abraham saw the Messiah. Not just a child was going to be born to him, but the Redeemer of the world. You say, people didn't know that back then. Well, look at your notes. Job chapter 19, verse 25. Job lived just before the time of Abraham. So maybe during the time of Abraham's father, Terah, whatever, that when the Bible says Job was the greatest man of the East, there was no one like him. I, God said, I have no one like him in all of the earth. Well, if Abraham was alive, that wouldn't have been true. Job lived before the law was given because the priesthood, the tabernacle, the temple, none of those things were ever mentioned. Job lived before all of that. There was no mention of law. There were no mention of the demands of the law. But Job knew something. Job 19, verse 25 said, Job knew the promise of the Redeemer, for I know that my what? My Redeemer. Where'd Job get that from? How long's that been known? Well, Adam to Abel to Seth and on down through the line to Noah, through Noah's son to Terah, to Terah to Abraham. Somehow, the message came down, and God helped them to see that this promised seed goes all the way back to Eve. So the seed, Abraham, the seed you're going to have is the same seed I promised Eve. And this is the seed that will bruise the serpent's head. And this is the seed that will pay with his blood so that we all may be redeemed and through you will come a great nation all the nations and then finally he saw the messiah and i'll just quickly end with this galatians three sixteen. we already talked about this he didn't god said a single a seed your seed not your seeds not all of the people that come from you but one seed one seed specifically 
that is of ultimate importance. One seed through whom all the nations of the world would be blessed. There, there is not a child born to a human that all of the nations of the world could be blessed through. Not even if they become the emperor of the world, as if there was one. They couldn't all be blessed through him. But there is one. John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so it is that Jesus is that one. Again, Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, Genesis 13, 15. The first seed, of course, is Isaac. But from Isaac, it's not just natural line. It's the line that will bring forth the Messiah who will be the Redeemer. Amen? All right. So I got through the first section. Yay me. Okay. So, Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Father, you helped.